0: You're listening to Blazing Creative. We might seem obnoxious throughout this. <laughs> With Megan Maydell and me, Steph Schertz of Bushall. Well, that was confident. <laughs> A podcast and community for creative biz owners who are equal parts goofball and girl boss, who love to laugh as much as they launch, who have guilty pleasures for good measure I'm so glad you explained it from that sentence because you lost me there sit tight while Megan and I talk pop culture entrepreneurship and our favorite tools of the week as long as I have more experience than you do I can help you let's get started shall we hey trailblazers do you feel as clueless about PR as I do it's a word that gets thrown around a lot but it feels like a total mystery when you're doing it for yourself In today's episode, Megan talks to Rachel Hofstetter, a PR pro with a super interesting background and tons of tips for how to make PR connections. Unfortunately, we had yet another audio hiccup for our first and last segments, so today we're diving right into this juicy interview. Take a listen.
1: All right, hey guys, so I'm here today talking with Rachel Hofstetter who I encountered at the Savvy Experience. And I kid you not, her talk changed the way I look at getting PR, media opportunities, whatever you want to call it, inside my business and different ways that I can go about it. So thank you so much, Rachel, for agreeing to do this today.
2: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. I'm already having so much fun. So before we started this, we talked about a lot of even more fun stuff, like (laughs) craftsman doors. So non secular. I'll turn it back to Megan.
1: (laughs) If people could only be involved in the conversations that we have with us beforehand. (laughs) So Rachel, I know that you are an author, a former editor, a founder, a CMO, a like I, it's hard to find words that you're not. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone, letting them know a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got to doing what it is that you're actually doing now.
2: I will definitely do that. It has been a meandering U-shaped journey, uh, I feel like a lot of people's career paths take these days, to be honest. There's nothing like you do this, and then you go up two steps and up two steps anymore. Uh, That's definitely not what I've done, and it's probably not what a lot of you have done. And that definitely keeps it more interesting. (laughs) Might keep our parents a little bit confused at times, but definitely keeps it more interesting. So I've had one of those journeys, those meandering journeys. And I started out life as a magazine editor uh was actually an econ major was going to go to law school and turns out want to do the thing that i thought wasn't even possible which was be a magazine editor i love love Magazines. I was that girl in your college dorm who had every single magazine and read them all, loved them all, studied them. So moved to New York, um, totally just picked up, moved to New York City, got an internship in magazines, uh, turned that into a job in magazines, and started my magazine editor career. And along the way, one of the best pieces of advice I got was uh, you can be a great magazine editor, but the best magazine editors also have a beat a shtick, a thing that they know tons about. And so pick the thing that you want to be known for. And so I had two things that I thought about. One was environment and the other one was food and started learning everything there was to know about those two things. Uh, Ended up going to Oprah Magazine, pushed the food thing really hard, kind of chiseled my way into being the food editor at Oprah Magazine. And I love The word chisel—it's so perfect for really what my career has been over and over. Because if you've ever been to New York City and been in a taxi cab, there are literally chock-a-block traffic, and you'll be in one lane. You actually, your taxi driver has to get over four lanes, and there's no real way to do it except they'll put, you know, one tire into the next lane. There's not even room for them there, right? (laughs) Like they're going to get run over, except they don't. Then they go like another inch and another inch, and next thing you know, you're one lane over, and then they do it again. And each time you're like, you're going to kill us. This is crazy. I'm going
1: to die. Here it is. (laughs) Right
2: here. But they just chisel. And taxi cab drivers do it in New York all the time. And that's really what I noticed around that time that I was doing with my career. I just put one thing in and another thing and I'd volunteer for something. Heck, I wouldn't even volunteer. I would just do the thing and then give it to the person who was in charge of it. And ninety five percent of the time, they were like, "Thanks, great." <laughs> like, Over oh, you know? <laughs> And then all of a sudden, they say, "You know," and they want to use it a lot of times. Like I remember just saying, "Oh, okay, here's a story that needs to be written by this editor," and I was the baby editor at that point. And so I would say, "Hey, uh, I'm just going to write it for them." I want to ask because if I asked, they'd be like, "No, no I got it." So I just write it for them and give it to them. And it's not like they would use it. But what started to happen is people would say, "Well." Actually, maybe Rachel should write this next one or Rachel should try this next one or Rachel should go to this next photo shoot. And that's how chiseling starts is you just start moving. Nobody gives you permission. You just start moving. And so spent an amazing time at Oprah Magazine. And while I was there, I would write you know, a number of stories, edit a number of stories every month. And one of the stories I wrote was about entrepreneurs because I had to know everything that was up and coming in the food world. And so I was always talking to food entrepreneurs, and I loved their stories. And as many entrepreneurs know, your story will go like, you know, you start out, everything seems amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, some horrible thing happens. You're not going to make it as agony as despair. You go down in the funnel, you guys, I'm literally making hand motions right now. Yes, they the are prison. pretty good. <laughs> and then at the very last minute, you know, never write when it's comfortable to me. At the very last minute, something happens and it's solved and you're back to high ground again, right? I love those stories. So I love telling them. And I told them in a story, Oprah Magazine, and it turned out that lots of other people wanted to – hear those stories because lots of other people wanted to start small businesses. And so I sold a book to Penguin Random House. It's called Cooking Up a Business. And all of a sudden had to write this book about entrepreneurship. And believe me, I was a food person coming into this. Like I like telling the stories, but I was, I was a food editor. That was what I thought about all day long. And so as I started writing the book, I wrote it every morning before work from about 5 to 7 a.m. over the period of eight months. And as I started writing it and interviewing all these amazing entrepreneurs, I was like, wow, this entrepreneurship thing is really cool. Uh, I totally switched. I became a person who was super into business. And so a lot of things happened at the same time. I got really into business. At the same time, my husband and I got married. We had guests coming in from all over the country, and we wanted them to get to know each other. And so we had this idea to make a little booklet that had everybody's photo, had everyone's name, where they were from. And then what made them so awesome? We'd say like, hey, this person just traveled around the world. You should ask them about X, Y, Z. And we just printed that out in a little booklet. It looked horrible. We made it in Microsoft Word. Uh, There was nothing pretty about it. (laughs) Literally, the cover was just a bad font. Now I know things about fonts. I didn't even know anything about fonts. It was like, it wasn't Comic Sans, but it was almost that bad. Uh, Yeah, it was bad. It might have been Times New Roman actually. Oh, wow. (laughs) It didn't matter because everyone loved the information in it so much. They They felt so important and so special to be called out in this way. And so we were like, great. We did something cool for our wedding. Hooray. And so then our friends started calling and said, hey, you know, can you help us do this for our wedding? And we're like, great. It'll be our wedding present. Yeah, we'll help make one for your wedding. So we were doing that for friends' weddings. My book was coming out. You know, It was all deep in this world and thinking about it. But I still had the world's best job, right? Like I was still a food editor. It was amazing. And then we got a call from a guy. And he said, hey, you know, I saw this thing you did at so-and-so's wedding. How do I buy it? And I go, oh, we don't sell how much do you want to pay? (laughs) And that was it. Um, He said some number that must have seemed like a lot to me at the time, even though now it probably would not have made any sense for how much work it ended up being. And we literally threw up a landing page to kind of justify charging this guy. I'm like, yes, over here is where you pay. Uh, Check it out. But we threw it up and it You know, I learned some things from writing my book, like branding, right? So we gave it a name. The name we gave it was Gesterly. You know, I learned from writing my book that first impressions matter. So we actually did make that little website look pretty nice. And uh, we had this website. So I said, hey, you know what? I was an editor for so long. And I know how editors want to receive stories. Like, I know what they want. So let me just see who the right person would be and what they want a story about this. Uh, it was almost the last minute thought in the very beginning. So I did that. And within our first two weeks, we were in Glamour and Real Simple and Daily Candy. And it turned out a lot of people wanted this product and a lot of people wanted to tell the story about this product. And for us, that was this moment of like, oh my goodness, okay, we're going to do this thing. It's called a startup. We have a technology startup, even though we didn't have any technology at the time. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, fake it until you become it is one of my favorite things, obviously. So, we had, long story short, on Guesterly, we had a long and winding road. We had moments where things were amazing. Um, we finally built software, it turned out it was the wrong software, built the right software, moved the business from New York City out to Utah. And then about a year ago, got acquired by Chatbooks. And Chatbooks makes super easy photo books. They were so aligned with our mission and vision of making these printed products for people, you know, in guest release case directories, and Chatbooks case photo books, really easy and automatic, which is what both platforms do for different things. And I joined a CMO for all of the products here at Chatbooks World. Uh, and that is kind of the long and meandering story. And so, What's so interesting is that what I thought about on a day-to-day basis five years ago is totally different than what I think about on a day-to-day basis now, which is also different than what I thought about you know, six months ago. And I think for most people listening to this, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're inventing completely new things. And the world is changing so fast right now with business, startups, technology, entrepreneurship. Um, those are kind of all the same things. Marketing, how we connect with each other. Uh, it's a fascinating time to be alive because you can really create things from scratch and nobody's ever thought about before. But at the same time, all of the basic rules of humanity and how to get people to pay attention and be persuaded and get excited about something that you are creating and also how to get where you want to go by chiseling there step by step still apply. So, okay, that's...
1: (laughs) They do. And one thing, so I have one question that's kind of off topic. (laughs) What's it like to meet Oprah? (laughs)
2: is amazing. She is so charismatic, but I think one of her greater powers is that she makes whatever or whomever she is talking about seem so amazing. So if Oprah is standing there and she's talking about me, everybody's paying attention to, you know, to me or to you or whoever it is. And that is such an amazing gift because she can transfer her energy onto people. I think that's fascinating. She's a wonderful person. I am totally privileged to have worked under her. So.
1: She is on my bucket list. I will meet her before I die. It I is happening.
2: Hopefully, will. As I will say, if it's on your bucket list, you're going to make it happen. So,
1: it is happening. I will make Oprah my BFF <laughs> one day. So, I've noticed, like you alluded to, that the same rules of humanity still apply. (laughs) And the one thing that I notice a lot of, even my own clients, as I'm helping them with their smaller teams be able to launch things, get in front of people, do things differently, is that I was told this my first day of going into college, actually, and I've heard it almost continually since then, is that it's not about, it's not always about what you know. In fact, most of the time, it's not about what you know. It is about who you know. And I have found that to be immensely true <laughs> in this industry. And I feel like it's it's incredibly true whenever it comes to how you're able to get yourself in front of people, position yourself in front of people, get your product in front of people, uh, and get them to start paying attention to it and start buying and buy the connections that you have and being able to, I don't know if I want to use the word leverage, but leverage is connections, you know, that you, you've you built. So How does someone, the biggest thing that I noticed that I'm up against and I feel like a lot of other people are up against is what happens whenever you don't have that massive network, Mm -hmm. all of those connections kind of at your disposal. How do you go about building those to get in front of people that matter, to be able to get the PR, the media opportunities, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you're looking for, that are going to make that difference in your business?
2: Yeah. So I'll tell you a true story first. Then I'll address that question a little bit more. I think. I'll say as a woman, although I think everybody can do this, but maybe, you know, sometimes women might struggle with this, especially is that we downplay ourselves and we oh, want to make things seem. Yes. Yes. I know. I do it. We kind of downplay the hard work we did or, you know, what we built afterwards. And one of the ways I realized recently that I was kind of doing this unconsciously um, somebody I worked with for a long time, brought it to my attention is whenever I was telling my story, and I was saying how we got pressed for guest early. I would say like I called my friends. And, and when I was talking about how we got pressed for the book. I was like, oh, okay, so my friend so-and-so did this and this and this. And she pointed out something to me. She's like, you do realize those people were not your friends when you started. You didn't even know them. They were all cold emails. And what's happened since is that they have become my friends. I do. I consider, you know, many of these people who wrote the initial press stories for places like guest early, they have since become my friends. But... In the beginning, I did not know them. And so I stressed that point just to say that uh, even though I was in the industry, I was in the magazine industry, I was a food editor. And so I knew lots of food people. And then all of a sudden I was pitching a wedding product. And I knew nobody. When we started this, you know, three and a half years ago, I knew nobody in weddings whatsoever. Um, I also knew nobody in business technology, you know, business reporting, business journalism. And so I have to remember that, and I say the story for all of you, is I actually didn't know anybody in those places. And so I'll tell you what I did, because I think you can actually apply it, is I found the exact right person. So what I did know is actually, it wasn't who I knew, it was what I knew. And what I knew was how to find the exact right person and say, you are the exact right person who would actually be interested in a story like this. Um, and how I did that was an awful lot of research. Like for magazines, I would go to Barnes and Nobles and sit down with 30 magazines and read something called the masthead, which is a page at the front of the magazine that tells everybody's title and you know their name. And then I would re- read through the whole entire magazine and say, where could Gesterly fit in this magazine? Like where would it make sense that they would talk about this type of item or this type of advice or whatever? And then I would say, okay, who wrote this story? What section is it under? I'd go back, and then I'd say, okay, yeah, so their title is this. Like, that makes sense. You know, they're not the editor-in-chief. That probably wouldn't do it. And then I would say, okay, what is the email format for this magazine? And so I knew things like email formats. Um, because of being in the industry, I kind of like knew how those things were. And by the way, I can just tell you all those secrets. Uh, and now it's so easy to find online in general. Like, the email format for this company is this. So then I would say, okay, now I know who to reach out to, and what do I want to reach out to them? And so there's a a philosophy I talk about called give, give, get. So I'll kind of do the really fast prelude because that's where I'm going here. Even though you asked about connections, I'm telling you it isn't actually about connections. It's about (laughs) giving people something they need. So give, give, get is literally how you get PR. And it's my huge mindset shift that I like to tell people about. And it's that three things. So here's how you get PR. First one is you give good story. So I just told you how to find the right person. That's kind of a prelude. You find the right person. But then you give good story because good story is literally, it's the number one thing that writers, editors, reporters, producers, everybody needs good story. Like when I was at Oprah, my job performance depended on me finding good stories. That's how I was, you know, graded, if you will. It wasn't, you know, it was, did she write well? Yes. The more, Can you find good stories? And so I needed the good stories. Like the people who brought me good stories weren't annoying. They were were helpful. (laughs) They were amazing. (laughs) I am friends with them. I Actually, I got an email today from a woman, Jean, who literally eight, nine years ago pitched me a great story at Oprah. I did not know her. She pitched me a story that was super helpful, ended up getting a huge feature in the magazine for the person she worked for. Anyways, which is all to say, that just reminded me of it. But literally eight, nine years ago, right? So... Good stories, that's how helpful people are when they give you a good story. And there's kind of a trick, right? Because you think good story, like, what is that then? And part of it is that it's not all just about you. A good story is not like, and remember, you're giving, by the way. So you're not asking. You're giving a favor, something helpful. So giving would be like, here's something that's super interesting that somebody would want to read about or hear about or they could use even if they're not buying, you know, your product or service. Whereas uh, if you're asking for something, it's like help me out, write about me, get me traffic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm really interesting, right? That's like boring. Uh, that's <laughs> not giving. So again, if you're giving good story, it's like here's a really interesting trend or really interesting advice or you know something that everybody should learn to do with their hair or whatever. It's up. You're like the fortune teller, right? Not fortune teller. You're like the trend seer. Because you're down on the ground, right? Editors and writers and bloggers sometimes are like up in their glass towers and they're working away all day. And you're the one who's actually down on the ground seeing what is new and interesting and people really want to hear about. So you give good story. So to go back to the connection point here for a moment, you find the right person, you give good story. And that is actually how I started to build out my connections. Uh, So then I'll really quickly dive into the second give and then the get. So first give is give good story. Second give is give like it's a friend. And going back to finding the right person here, you would never just email a thousand of your friends and say, hey, everyone, help me. I mean, seriously, you just, you wouldn't, right? <laughs> I, have, friend, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> right? No. And if a friend emailed you, it's like, everyone, I know, help me. You'd be like, Whatever, delete. But like contrast that. You want to email your friend? You're like, you know, hey Megan, um, how are you doing? You know, your podcast is going so well. I listened to an episode last week. It was awesome. Uh, we should grab, you know, lunch sometime. What do you think? By the way, I'm working on this new project. Can't wait to hear what you think about it. All of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, that's a friend. That is how you email a friend. By the way, guys, um, <laughs> as you already know, but you would be surprised at how many people who reach out to the media, use that first tactic of, hey, everybody I know, listen to me. Um, yeah, no, that's just going to get deleted. Sorry to burst your bubble there. And so literally when you treat, when you give like it's a friend, you reach out to someone with a direct message. You say, hey, Megan, um, I'm loving your podcast. I have a really interesting topic I think would fit right in. Here's what it is. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, again, thanks again for producing such a cool thing. I really appreciate it, Rachel. All of a sudden, we're kind of, I'm giving you something, right? It's an interesting idea. I didn't just say the idea out loud. I don't have it. But, you know, in theory, i thought really hard. I found an interesting idea. I checked that you didn't just cover it last week because, you know, that would kind of be sad. Uh, it's something that I think would actually be helpful to you. And so then I give it. And on that note of give like it's a friend, you know, I'm going to give abundantly. If I'm sending samples of something to you, don't send a teeny, teeny little sample. Uh, Give abundantly. Say like, yeah, try it out. Go hog wild. You know, at Chatbooks, we give away credit like crazy. You want to make Chatbooks, you're in the media, you're an influencer, we just met you walking down the street. Here you go. Chatbooks, 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 make them, make them, make make them, right? Like, guestly, We gave every editor in the world who wants to make a guestly for their event. Like, great. Make them. Just give abundantly. Um, And don't worry about the immediate ROI because this is your friend, right? It's like we're going to put some energy into the relationship and hopefully it will come back. But I'm not like, hey, 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 I I gave you $20 of credit. Are you going to write about me? Are you going to write about me? Are you going to write about me? Uh, No. So last note on Give Like It's a Friend is say thank you right? Whoever it is, they just put energy into helping you, um, whether it worked out or not, you know, like, let's say you get a story, great, say thank you, tweet it, share it on social media, drive page views. But sometimes even if it didn't, you know, work out, maybe they tried really hard and something got cut last minute, um, say thank you. Because literally, as I go into my next point with a get, it's never one and done. So this is a friend, right? Say thank you. Then I'll tell you about the get, and then poor Megan, I'm sure, has so many more questions to ask, but so give, give, give good story, give like it's a friend, and then what you get. So quickly, you know you get coverage, right? It's like, great, you get the press, that's amazing, but you also get to tie your brand to this premium brand, right? Like, notice how earlier I said, okay, Gesterly was in glamour and real simple and daily candy, and maybe you listen a little harder because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know some of those brands even though Daily Candy isn't around anymore and we loved it. I
1: haven't heard of Daily Candy, but okay.
2: (laughs) Back in the day, it was huge. (laughs) I know, I feel old now. It was so huge back in the day. Uh, But anyways, so, but you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've heard of Glamour. That's cool. Like, guest glamour. I get it. But here's the really big thing you get. You get the beginnings of a long-term relationship. And tying this all back to the beginning of Connections, that's why when I was thinking about it later, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, my friends wrote about me because I've since gone on to have long-term relationships. And some of these people have written about you know, what, I, what I've been up to or different products I'm involved in since then. And so you never have to be a one and done. Like that first story is basically like your first friend date. And then you get to go from there and continue to develop a friendship. And that is how you actually build your network and your connections, especially when it comes to media. Uh, so, Whew. there you go. There you give, go.
1: give, get, got it. <laughs> oh, now my head's exploding with questions. <laughs> so that first initial email is a cold email, which I know a lot of people are thinking, yeah, Rachel, that sounds great. Um, that's cute that you did that. But there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to cold email anyone. So you, you can are.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say it. You actually can. It's going to take you a lot of time. You might spend five hours on that one email. By the way, I have spent easily spent five hours on one email, researching it, figuring out the exact right person. Maybe I try an email address and it gets sent back, and I've tried another one. Uh But just to say, you actually can do the cold email. But continue your question.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, how many cold emails would you say that you get that you are able to turn into some sort of a relationship? And the second part of that question is I know a lot of people feel – I don't know if disconnects the right word, but this kind of disconnect that, like, okay, after we've kind of had this conversation and this has happened, how do I keep in contact with you after the fact? Is it is it okay to just send emails asking how you are and stuff like that, or is that is that too much? Does it always need to be contacting you with more giving? Uh, yeah. Ella, How does how does all of
2: that work? Yep. So first, I'll answer the second question first. So after you've had some sort of relationship how do you keep it up i think you always want to be giving so there's a couple of ways to give and of course you have to be kind of conscious of how often but a really great example is coming up right now which is the holidays so holidays are a great example to you know what Hold on. okay we're making these super adorable books for chat oh you can't see them i'm on video but i forgot this is actually a podcast okay sorry i love we're making them. these they look very yes. cute everyone <laughs> we're making these super adorable books with rifle paper co for chat books and everybody in the media that we've kind of been in contact with over the last few years is getting one as just a present. It's not even saying write about it. You know, that would be great. But it's more just like, hey, you know, happy holidays. Cute thing we made for you. Check it out. Can't wait to, for a great 2017. Uh, that's really simple, right? Like these don't cost us a lot of money. But it's a way of saying like, here's our cool new thing. It's for the holidays. You could send a card, right? You could send a note. It could be something really simple. Um, maybe it's, you know, I think it's better if it's your product that you're sending, but you could also send like, you know, a cute little present to like the five people. You know, and by cute, I mean it costs $4. It's like a singly packaged marshmallow that's super adorable or something, right? But it's just like, hey, happy holidays. Love working with you this year. Um, holidays. It's just a great time to check in. You can also make up, use another holiday. You know, tons of people use Christmas. Your you know, maybe there's a holiday that's more connected to your business. Like, galentine's Day, right? And you do something that empowers women and you send a little present to people for galentine's Day. Or like that's your annual kind of check in thing. So I like having one sort of annual check in where it's related around some sort of holiday. And then when you have new products or brand new exciting things or brand new exciting information, um, as far as a cadence goes, you know, maybe once or twice a year. It's not a ton. And then something I try to do is when I'm in somebody's town, right? Um, and again, maybe once every one or two years it's like hey I'm in town let's would love to meet up for lunch and add that in-person element or something so it's pretty subtle but it's like some sort of holiday check-in slash gift slash just you know thinking of you or and then it's once or twice a year cool new thing and then if you're in town or whatever every year or two let's have a coffee so what was the first question I forgot
1: (laughs) I don't even remember anymore (laughs)
2: I think part of the thing is to not, to not be afraid to kind of think about it as a friend. It's not your best friend at all, but it's like a friend and you're giving something into the relationship and you're just, every time you're reaching out, if you think of one word, which is give, uh, it's a lot easier to screen it. That should be your lens is like what I'm doing right now. Some sort of give. And it's really easy when, you know, you're sending a super cute photo book of their year, uh, it's, that's an easy one, but you can also be like, here's some really interesting information or a really interesting trend or, you know, I, I met somebody else who has an awesome story and let me send the story their way, right? Maybe it's not even my story. It's just like, hey, I met so-and-so and I think she's perfect for this story you do and want to, you know, send her your way.
1: I love it. So what would you say, this is going to be interesting, what would you say are the top three like most memorable gives that someone has given you to start building a relationship with you?
2: Yep. Okay. I've got two top ahead and we'll probably have a third one by the time I get there. So first one, give good story. When I was at Oprah, um, I got, you know, 400 pitches a day easily. But 97% of those were just mass emails. So delete. Like, we're not even dealing with those. There's nothing there. So that still gives you, you know, a nice handful of emails to go through. And I got this email from a woman, Sue Jean. She was working with a baker, David Goss. And she had a story for me. And it was like, hey, Rachel, you know, love what you're doing with the food co- coverage. By the way, you don't have to compliment people. But it's a way of showing that you know exactly what they work on. And so, and here's a story that I thought would be great for May. So the story was like, it was a cute story idea. It wasn't exactly what I needed. And it just didn't end up being a fit, but it was a pretty darn good story idea. And so I wrote back and I said, thanks so much. It doesn't work for what we're doing with this May, but, you know, stay in touch. Thanks. Here's the thing. Every two months, probably at least four or five more times, um, she sent me a new story. And oh, wow. I will tell And every story idea was like, you know, somehow related to having a chef involved in some way that he could be a good fit. You know, there was a story on New Orleans or a story on this, but they weren't just all about her chef. They were about, you know, larger trends or interesting ways of looking at a lifestyle piece or things like that. And so I will say it wasn't like none of her stories were a perfect fit. I never used one of her stories. But... Because she was so good at giving me stories that were actually, you know, intelligent and interesting and a fit, not a fit, you know, they end up being a fit, but they could have been. They weren't like crazy stories. Uh, I ran ran a big story where we picked the top 10 bakers in America. And I had nine of them chosen. And I was looking for the 10th one. And I kept running down lists. And, you know, all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Let me look into this chef that she's been sending me stories about. And I looked in, and he was a perfect fit, fit everything I was looking for. We did some more research. We checked out some more stuff kind of on the slide. And I was like, yeah, this is who we're going to go with. And I will tell you, I would never have even thought of him if she hadn't just sent me wonderful stories. But if she had just said, hey, feature him as one of the top 10 chefs in America, it would have been like, yeah. Yeah great. Thanks. No cigar.
1: Everyone thinks they are. Thank you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so does that story kind of make sense how she just kept giving good story Yeah. and it was a great relationship. And that's, I, it's so funny because she literally emailed me today and this is years later, but talk about that relationship is because she just kept giving good stories and over the years she's continued to give good stories for different things. And I, I mean, I'm not an editor at all anymore. Now she's just actually a friend. Uh, but You know, life is long, right? So give good stories. Second one is more about giving like it's a friend and especially about giving abundantly. And this is one of my favorite stories. So as a food editor, of course, we got tons of food samples. But a lot of times if we were looking at something, you know, let's say an ice cream story, and we would get something in and be like one or two little pints of ice cream, which is awesome. You know, like, great. It's enough for us to try it. It's fine. No, no problem with sending one or two pints. Mm -hmm. But contrast that with this ice cream company that sent four or five boxes packed with ice cream. And they also sent bowls, spoons, napkins, ice cream scoopers, and a little note that said, hey, you know, enjoy a party with your team on us. Thanks so much. So, of course, you know, I emailed the whole team. I'm like, everybody come over here and we all have ice cream and we're all talking and having fun and You know, of course, along the way, we're like, this ice cream is really good. And we're like, yeah, it's really good. And someone's like, we should get this in the magazine. And we're like, yeah, we should get this in the magazine. It was awesome. And we put it in the magazine. And so, you know what? Sending us ice cream was no guarantee they would get into the magazine. And it probably cost them, you know, an extra $100 to send than it would have cost them to send just the one or two pints. Uh, But look what an impact it made. It made me look like the office hero. It made everybody get excited about their ice cream. And so wherever you can give abundantly, just, like, give a little bit bigger than makes sense.
1: Genius. Yeah. (laughs) That that was my favorite story from Savvy. I'm like, oh, God, I want ice. I want someone – if anyone's listening to this who has ice cream that they want me to talk about, I'll gladly take some. (laughs) (laughs) I'll gladly take pints and pints. (laughs) How – do people, I know that this has been a lot about print and you're talking about the masthead and the magazine. How do you go about finding that kind of information for people who are mostly online because online publications are becoming bigger and bigger and more popular way to consume content. How for people who are listening, who are maybe wanting to go after strictly online things, how do they go about finding that information for people who are working for those companies online to start the giving relationship?
2: Yep. So I think, Online is relatively the same thing. You go to the site, so instead of looking at a masthead, you just you're at the site. And online, you're actually more likely to see the writer's name right there. So it's surprisingly even easier. Um, I think one of the trickier ones is TV. And so TV, there's obviously you know expensive databases that you can buy contact information to find who the producer is. That's all well and good if you have you know an extra thousand dollars to spend. I, but I actually, even that, I don't always know if they're that up to date, but my hack and what I do is I go to LinkedIn. So I, and then I go to Twitter and I kind of use all of it to cross reference a little bit, but let's say I want to find who the producer is for the morning show in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, you put a few words and you find the station, of course, you know, maybe you put the name of the show and you put producer. You put that in LinkedIn, you can find the right person almost every single time. And so then you read through on their LinkedIn profile, um, you know, what their specialties are, what their you know, beats are, if you will. And you might have to go through a couple people, but usually you'll kind of find the person that you think, yeah, yeah, this person covers and this producer what I want to do. And then, of course, you triangulate and go look at Twitter and double check all of your logic. So it's totally playing investigator, but it's kind of fun. And that's what I mean. Sometimes it takes you five hours to figure it all out. But um, yeah, have no fear. And by the way, you can use the LinkedIn hack for anything. I just think it's particularly helpful with TV because you never end a TV segment by saying, and the producer of this segment was so-and-so, right? Never happens. So you're totally lost when you go to TV. LinkedIn, brilliant. Use it. It's amazing.
1: I never would have thought about that. Just genius. (laughs)
2: Yeah. The whole world is there at your fingertips for you to hack and find out. Fear not.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, how a, a big question I constantly get asked is how soon should people start pursuing? relationships and PR opportunities around a launch that seems to be I'm personally of the mindset that you should start building up these relationships as soon as humanly possible and if they happen to mm-hmm. come to fruition throughout the period of a launch so be it I run into a lot of people though a lot of clients who are just like so in their businesses and so in it with launches and things like that that they're all of a sudden realize they're two months away from a launch and holy crap they need some sort of media or something going around this uh, how soon do you think that you start reaching out if you find find yourself in one of those kinds of situations? Or is there a hack to speeding up that yeah. process?
2: So I think my main thought is reach out as soon as you feel good about your branding because oh, you do okay. not get a second chance to make a first impression. So have the right website, the right email. I mean, this sounds a little one one but make sure you're using, you know, an email with your business name attached to it um you know not your gmail make sure there is a website even if it's super simple that has good photos as soon as you have that because partially what you're doing you are giving good story but somebody's clicking and checking really fast to be like oh yeah is this person like legit mm-hmm. and they just want the literally the one second legit scan that's all they're looking for so make that super easy so once assume you have that base in place i would not reach out before there's that base um, Even if it's just like, you know, the show coming soon or something, but make sure it looks legit. Um, Make sure that your social media profiles reflect it, right? If somebody clicks on your social media profile and you're promoting your new cookie baking business, but you haven't changed it that you were a dog walker, you know, again, they're off. They're done. They're never looking again. So just kind of make sure your social world is really cleaned up, your website, all that stuff. So let's assume you have that. Then you have a launch coming up. Great. Reach out. you know, the lead time for various channels is different, but you know, something like two months, reach out as soon as you have something to give. So if you're like, I have a launch and I don't really know what it is, and I don't have any interesting stuff to share from it yet, then don't reach out. Wait till after your launch. Wait till you have success, you know, learnings or things like that, or things you've learned from your customers, or material you can share, things, you know, whatever product you can share. Uh, it doesn't make sense to reach out until you have something to give, but as soon as you have something to give, reach out.
1: I love it. All right. I feel like I could easily make this like a four-hour interview (laughs) (laughs) we could just keep going especially I wish everyone could see your hand gestures (laughs) and these gorgeous I um, have
2: really I wave my arms way too much (laughs) whatever it's fun
1: (laughs) but unfortunately we can't (laughs) so where can people find more of you see more of you if they want to get in contact with you Where, where can they find you at
2: Awesome. I'm on social media. I'm Rachel Hoffey on Twitter. Um, Rachel Hoffey One on Instagram you ever find the other Rachel Hoffy I would love to buy that Instagram from her so just putting it out there and then <laughs> chat books so come find us at chat books also guesterly, but definitely chat books which is chat books like chat like chatting and then books like books uh, we're on Instagram everywhere chatbooks.com we have a really amazing amazing app that uh lets you make photo books automatically from Instagram Facebook and your phone camera roll uh and I'm Rachel at chatbooks.com. By the way, if you shoot me a note on Twitter or something like that, I will definitely get you a code for your first chatbook free. So oh, there you go that. <laughs> Rachel Hoppy on Twitter, tweet me and I'll get you a code. So,
1: And we will definitely make sure we share in the show notes the link to your hilarious ad that you guys just did with the oh, yeah. moms for chatbooks. It. <laughs> it will
2: teach you all about chatbooks. It's super fun. Um... Yeah. That would be awesome to have that in the show notes. It's, I do promise you it's really funny. So
1: (laughs) if you're a mom, it is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so, so much Heather for coming on
0: today.
2: (laughs) It was awesome. Bye.
0: Bye. I love Rachel's energy and her super helpful advice. I mean, if we can't trust someone who worked for Oprah, who can we trust? Head over to blazingcreative.com to get show notes for this episode with links to all the resources we've mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps spread the word about Blazing Creative so that Megan and I can help more bosses like you. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next week.